Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And uh, after a few adaptations, we are tackling uh, another film inspired by video games and also a film which was bounced from last year to this year. We are talking about Free Guy, the film. Not the video game. <laughs> Not the video game. I don't know if there's a time game for this one. That would be incredibly meta. But then we are talking about Ryan. Uh, I was going to say Ryan Williams. Where did what the who stars in this film? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. That's the one. Ryan Meta Reynolds. Ryan Meta Reynolds. Indeed. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know what. Where do we start? I mean, this is a brand new-ish film, so we, as usual, going to avoid spoilers up front. We'll tell you when the spoilers are going to happen. It's taken us maybe, I don't know, 70-odd episodes to realise that we shouldn't talk spoilers up front. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there's loads of people who were going to give House of the Dead a go, but then we spoiled the ending too early. I just, I just don't think I'll bother now. <laughs> I think yes with this film though it has been as you say quite delayed it was originally meant to come out summer 2020 but it has proven to be something of a box office sleeper hit a hit in you know pandemic terms but still it's uh, only been out um a few weeks and has already made 115 million dollars worldwide which is pretty good for a non-IP based blockbuster, or not a sequel not based on previous source material the previous source material, if any it's based on, is Ryan Reynolds <laughs> It's funny, I don't um, I don't know who to believe when it comes to box office numbers at the moment, I really don't because I read that this had made exactly the same amount of money as Black Widow but Free Guy is viewed as like a hit and Black Widow is viewed as a miss. But, you know, you say, oh, that's because it's a Marvel movie. It's done bad for a Marvel movie. But then apparently it's done just as well as Ant-Man has done, which is like the lowest rating Marvel movie. And, you know, it's it's just deeply confusing. You've got... <laughs> I want to say, oh, people are forgetting that Black Widow is all right and other films just not done so well. They they all seem to be tellingly kind of bad. <laughs> Things like The Suicide Squad, which I really enjoyed, is also doing below expectations, but I just don't know what those expectations are. I really don't. Yeah, exactly. I think it's all relative to expectations. And I think, you know, there's a certain amount of box office cachet with, you know, someone like Ryan Reynolds, but he hasn't obviously Deadpool movies were successful movies and Ryan Reynolds has obviously led a few other movies 
And you could argue maybe Detective Pikachu's success was partially down to him, but then you have the you know the Pokemon off. I don't know, Rory. Who's who's bigger, Pokemon or Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> I, I love going to like the Ryan Reynolds stores when I visit Tokyo. But that's what I'm sort of saying in in relation to Free Guy is that this his his kind of first post Deadpool lead blockbuster family crossover entertainment role in the way that you know Dwayne Johnson mm. had his sort of rise and then seem to sort of leap over into, you know, mega budget, mega star, like lead in a family adventure movie territory with stuff like Jumanji. He's cultivated so, a brand. Exactly. And the brand is Ryan Reynolds. And yeah, very you know, much so. Particularly with the way this film has been structured and he's a producer on the film and particularly with the way the film has been marketed as well it's very much playing into the whole notion of Ryan Reynolds, Hollywood's jokester, trickster, meta man, <laughs> as, as he's known. Meta man. Um, that sounds like a superhero. I mean, that does describe Deadpool, really. But Yeah, yeah. And I, I think given particularly as well that this is a 20th Century Studios release and that is this is a film which I think was sort of developed as 20th Century Fox, but then with the takeover by Disney, it's now released through Disney, and that obviously affords itself certain uh, benefits, which we may get onto later, as well as that it plays into the marketing. So I think the very first trailer for this film, it kind of says from a studio that brought you Aladdin, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, twice. (laughs) And then there was a video close to release where it had Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool and Taika Waititi as Korg from the Thor movies doing a trailer reaction video commentating on Free Guy. And you know what? I did enjoy that and I rewatched it shortly before seeing Free Guy and I, and I did enjoy it again. But it's so funny how how little a reaction that was to me, but by which I mean just everything... But just IPs don't re- seem to exist anymore. What am I saying? Of course they do. I'm saying that the the surprise of seeing 20th Century Fox's Deadpool interacting with Marvel's Korg barely registered. And yeah. I think, but that means, I think what the, the general public, actually non-geeks, don't care about that shite either. I mean, only I notice you can't get Spider-Man films on Disney+. Plus. You know what I mean? When Spider-Man first shows up in, like, Civil War, a, a portion of film nerds slash comics nerds were like, oh my god, the IP sharing, oh my god, Sony owns Spider-Man, and he's it's amazing. Other people are like, well, why wouldn't Spider-Man be in this film? He's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's from the comics. Why isn't Batman here? Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, did, I did enjoy it. And, but um, I think it is Ryan Reynolds, the brand, even though I completely got his name wrong at the start there. And with that, of course, your mileage may vary. There's, yes. there, is, there is a degree where, I mean, I, did, I really enjoyed the first Deadpool. I think he needs to make sure he 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 needs to rein it in. I think Deadpool two was a bit of an overstretch. It can get annoying, but how I felt he wasn't this film, I guess we'll get to. So this week, I'll be reacting to a trailer for a movie which 
I honestly thought came out like a year ago. Free guy. Apparently it's this August. We also have a guest reactor this week, Korg, who was not my first choice, but apparently everyone else was too busy over on Disney Plus. Say hello, Korg. Hello, I'm made of rocks. Thank you for having me, Paul. Sorry, you're dead. Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. And I guess we should sort of maybe position what this film does in relation to video game movies that we've we've covered before. And and I think the way this film kind of differs um, from maybe other ones we've covered is that it really is a kind of focus on where video games are now Mm. as opposed to where they have come from. I think quite a lot of the other films that we've done which play around with the idea of entering a video game world or a video game world entering the real world, whether it's something like the Jumanji reboots or Ready Player One or Pixels or Wreck-It Ralph, they're quite retro-focused. Mm. Even Ready Player very... One, which is set in the future, but yeah, it's about yeah. the 80s, isn't it? No, of course. It's it's very much about the 80s. Um, whereas this is, I think, one of the first films that we've looked at which is really trying to tackle video games as they are now and like how they play and how gamers around the world you know interact with a very sort of modern style of Mm. video games yeah i agree um i have a sort of once a generation vibe when it comes to these sort of video game movies whereas tron was like the that was the what is video games right now film of that time um Mm. and this is the equivalent for sure yeah, and I, it's interesting that one of the co-writers on the film is Zach Penn, who also was one of the co-writers for the Ready Player One movie. Um, he also, I think we mentioned him before when we did that, directed Atari Game Over, which was documentary all about the notorious E.T. video game. And he's also written and had his hand in stories for the lights of X-Men 2, X-Men Last Stand, The Avengers, Elektra. So he's got a lot of experience in the superhero realm too. Um, Though the story and co-writer was by Matt Lieberman, who has credits for Christmas Chronicles, uh, Scoob, the recent Scooby-Doo animation, the Addams Family animation, uh, as well as Dr. Doolittle, Tale to the Chief. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've just listed several of my favourite films, so, <laughs> you know. Well, you know what I want for Christmas? A Christmas Chronicles 3. <laughs> uh, it's all likelihood of that happening. <laughs> um, I, but I guess sort of crucially as well, and talking about nostalgia, etc., is um, looking at the director, Sean Levy, who, as well as being responsible for the Night at the Museum films, which in a way, if you think about it, is like, history avengers sort of but like waxworks ah <laughs> oh, uh, that that really highlights the difference between american museums and british museums because i went to so <laughs> many american museums and it's just like just wax models and dioramas and then british museum is like the rape of the world and it's we've taken we've taken it all i've had a great descriptive of it where somebody wrote that it's basically an evidence room with a cafe <laughs> But yeah, you know, I, I saw the first one in the cinema and, you know, it was a, it was a date movie. It's all right. 
But he also, uh, Sean Levy, executive produced Stranger Things and directed a couple of episodes. So that's a little bit that's of quite nostalgia, nostalgia throwback. That's yeah. quite, yeah, it is I quite detect- nostalgia. I detected some nostalgia uh, <laughs> round about the middle of series two. <laughs> When some, someone said a Ghostbuster reference. <laughs> but uh, I suppose sort of crucially in terms of video games, he was one of the many directors attached to the Uncharted uh, adaptation. And he was working on that for about a, about a year and then obviously is not working on it anymore. But it shows then that he has at least some understanding of video games and you know how they work. I mean, it's funny. You, I mean, just the way you say that, you, you, it's like that's video games are a massive part of pop culture now. <laughs> so it's like saying, "Oh, I, I don't look at paintings. I never look at paintings." <laughs> but I, th- I, I think that also speaks to something else in the film, which we'll, which we'll get onto, and just, and I, and I mentioned it a little bit, just like this is a film which looks at modern gaming now. Mm-hmm. But I think this is also one of the first films we've looked at, which acknowledges video games in a way that takes it seriously as mm. a proper media entity. Mm-hmm. So with everything you said with the director, I was I was expecting sort of like a, a light kind of mere summer blockbuster with um, a video game sheen. It just seemed very, like from the trailer, it very much made it seem like this is a Lego movie Um and the Lego movie is genius, but it just felt like it's going to be like a, a carbon copy where like a, a, no, a nobody gets an awakening for like no good reason. And and it just, then it just reminds me of um, like Wreck-It Ralph as well and things. Um, where, yeah, where you think the film is just going to, you know, engage with video games in a very surface yes. level as a means to an end rather than actually wrestle with the form in any meaningful way. Yeah. It was more like we've, we've, we've even though it does have recognizable IP stuff in there, which you'll get to in spoiler territory, it seemed to be more like, Oh, you know, Fortnite. Hey, look, it's a bit like Fortnite. You like Fortnite. Let's watch this film, which is Fortnite, but all but name. But um, I think it was a little bit deeper than that. But uh, before we go any further, do we want to hear a plot synopsis? Sure. Well, uh, the synopsis comes from the 20th Century Studios website. And it reads as follows. A bank teller who discovers he is actually a background player in an open world video game decides to become the hero of his own story. One he rewrites himself. Now, in a world where there are no limits... He is determined to be the guy who saves his world his way before it is too late. I initially winced because they called him a background player when he's not a player. That's specifically what they say. But then with context, which the internet likes to drum out, understanding context, they were saying he's sort of like a background player in in like a stage show, but the show being the game. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with that. You mean as a player in a theatrical sense? Yes, in the the theatrical yes. sense. So yes, maybe maybe that was just a bit more, a bit too artsy fartsy for me. That uh, synopsis. Nah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> My name is Guy. Sunday should be warm and sunny. Just a scattering of drive-bys. And I live in paradise. I've got a best friend. This is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. Uh-oh! 
Mondays. Am I right, Joe? You said it, guys. Yeah. And I work at the bank. Everybody's out of the ground! I thought I had everything I needed. But then I met her. Everybody down on the ground. Everybody except you. Me? It's just a oh, Please, I have a cold fist. There's something inside you, guy. I don't want something inside me. I expected you to just follow the rules, but you are so much more than that. Put these on. Okay. Fine. I do. Oh, my God. What are these, trick glasses or something? Guy, there is no easy way to say this. This world, it's a video game. You're not real. Please tap my... And the guy responsible for this world is going to destroy it. You've met God? Yes, he's an absolute troll. Trolls exist. Buddy, if we're not real, doesn't that mean that nothing you do matters? I am sitting here with my best friend trying to help him get through a tough time. Now, if that's not real, I don't know what is. I know this world is just a game, but this place, these people, that's all I have. So I'm not gonna be the good guy. Thanks, guy. I'm gonna be the great guy. Well, enjoy your lifetime supply of virginity. <laughs> Off you go. This whole good guy routine is ruining the game. Woo! Terminator. It's the first time I've ever driven a car before. I really wish you'd mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? We can save our world, but we have to fight together. So anyway, um, I really dug this. I actually super duper enjoyed this and I've seen it twice now, partly Ooh. partly because it was incredibly dense. And as alluded to, I thought this was going to be quite surface, but there's a few things we'll get into when we get to spoiler territory, but um, which were incredibly existential. And this was like a rare blockbuster, which I felt was about something. And as you say, partly it is about modern day video game culture. You know, it gets modern video games, both sort of the games themselves, like Fortnite. I mean, I actually went to, I, I'm not a Fortnite player, but when I started watching some videos of Fortnite as before this episode, you know, it just gets, gets just all this sort of like the HUD stuff, the sort of, it it just gets the the feeling and the iconography correct, um, but it also seems quite true in terms of how people play the games and also sort of monolithic developers. You know, the company which makes Free City is a company called Tsunami, and that's not a million miles away with like from Blizzard, is it? Um, and I just think it does a good job of sort of walking the line for people who know nothing about video games and for seasoned players because it explains things like what skins are or what NPCs are but they're doing it for the benefit of Guy who run Reynolds mm. Plays so it it sort of it, it guides you through quite nicely but as you also mentioned and as we talked about video games are huge now and so 
I just felt it got the culture down and I thought the performances across the board were pretty great. Um, even when there's sort of, I think Jodie Comer is pretty fantastic in this, who plays, you know, her character is your generic love interest where she has the girl, she's the girl of no time for the male lead because she has her own agenda. But when you've got like an award-winning actress, actress like her in this film, she, she manages to lift it and she can play sort of multiple emotions at the same time, which is great because half the time she's playing somebody in a video game, playing off somebody she thinks is a player, but it's a non-playable character. And I think also with like Ryan Reynolds as well, like I think I think he makes the he does his shtick, but I think he, you know, makes it seem really easy what he mm. does. And I think having a balance of like a sincere performance and also a comedic performance. And I think there's just like a lot of good like line deliveries and reactions and you know, just little things, little touches which maybe someone else in the role might not like include yeah. or add. And I guess like him being a producer, he means he can have a say in, okay, no, I want to include this little bit where I do a funny thing with my hands or, or you know, but I, I think it, it, I agree that the it's got a good cast who sell the performances really well. Yeah, I think Ryan Reynolds has shown himself to be someone who can make you laugh and make you cry. You know, he, he reminds me a bit of like Jim Carrey at his peak where he can do, he's got, he can do silly. No doubt about that. He can do snarky, but I think this film works when this guy is dealing with with existence, <laughs> with and and um, I mean he doesn't he does rein in his meta Deadpooliness, but not entirely. Um, no. There's there's like running gags about how things taste, but he always says it in like a sexual way, and that feels quite deadpooly and it's so funny the first time i saw this i saw this with a quite an adult audience and i didn't think anything of it but the second time i watched it there was like quite a few families present and it just made me realize how many of the jokes were about being a virgin and like <laughs> you know there's a great joke Co- jodie Comer does where she says something along the lines of oh um enjoy the rest of your life of virginity and that's quite funny but that comes now in the film after about four or five jokes about sex and teabagging and things and i just imagine sort of the kids turning to their parents and going daddy what's teabagging <laughs> presumably you're in an audience filled with virgins if they're children <laughs> presumably let's not go there um but yeah so i mean there's a bit also where in the tra- this is in the trailer where ryan reynolds is jumping for like a wrecking ball and he misses it and goes, nope. And he falls to what seems to be his death. But in the film itself, they do like a five second cut of Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball. And that that got a laugh in the audience. Not going to lie. But it was like, well, that's just, that's, he, he's not hearing that. That's not diegetic sound. That's just something that's like a little hint so you can get, oh, it's a wrecking ball, like in that music video, wrecking ball, meta, meta, meta. Because <laughs> um, I thought you usually like against needle drops. No, I, I was like, I didn't like that. This is what, this is the point I'm okay. getting at. I didn't like how for no reason at all, they played a stint of wrecking ball just, just to like trigger 
the amusement centre in some of the stupids in the audience. So Miley Cyrus <laughs> can cash just another check. <laughs> well, again, another thing which um, quite annoyed me about this film, despite loving it so, uh, a lot of this plot, bizarrely, revolves around Mariah Carey's fantasy song, which... I didn't. I didn't know the song existed, and I didn't know it riffed. It took. A, it completely takes a riff out of the Tom Tom Club's "Genius of Love," which is featured in one of my favorite ever albums, "Stop Making Sense" by Talking Heads. So, like everyone kept talking about Mariah Carey's song, and I'll, and then the credits started and it plays the song, and I just turned to you, I was watching this with, and just said, "Sorry, is this the song they keep talking about?" Oh, I thought they're playing "Genius of Love" throughout. Um, so yeah, maybe on the music side of things, and I could, I could talk about music a bit more in spoilers, but didn't need the music was a bit a bit shitty. <laughs> but funnily enough, like I, I was rewatching some of the original trailers, and that that Mariah Carey song is in oh, the yeah. trailer throughout as like the main you know thing. So I, I completely forgot that was you know again part of the branding exercise. Looking at the lyrics and things, it is actually very appropriate subject matter for the film. I mean, the very titles about guess living in a fantasy isn't it so i think also talking about music and promotion it's also one of those films which uses the who's bubba o'reilly in the trailer to signify life affirming which is just mm-hmm. something that happens like you know it's going to be life affirming because they're playing bubba o'reilly in the trailer you know i was expecting the film to be that and it is that in a in in some respects it's about the idea of don't be in the background. Don't mm-hmm. part of the plot sort of revolves around how through guy coming sort of self-aware, like changes the world around him and in, in, in certain respects, whether or not I think it sells its message it is at least trying to do something with it. It's, it's, it's still going for kind of like the fun gaggy stuff and humor wise, like, some of it I I didn't really care for. I think anything which revolves around too much like CGI kind of slapstick. Um, I think you were saying like when he tries to grab the wrecking ball and like falls down and then it's just like him getting in sort of inflatable suit and like bouncing around and ricocheting or being hit by multiple cars and that kind of stuff. It's just like, eh, okay. It's like an airbag for your body when he hits the ground. I felt that was okay because it was kind of a joke also explaining the world and like basically it's a concept of items and things. I mean, that whole scene is around revolving around him having just purchased some special jump shoes as well, which uh, don't look like they do in the Mario movie for shame. They just look like some trainers. <laughs> we, I get a sense that we both don't like jokes for just for joke's sake. God, we're so boring, aren't we? Hmm. <laughs> But I, I think generally speaking, like um, I, I did enjoy this film as well. I think it actually is better than the two Jumanji movies that we've mm. covered. I think it's better yeah. than Ready Player One. Oh, so yeah. in that sort of field, I think this is definitely like the strongest we've seen. But I, I think the thing is, is that the specifics and the details are fun and well realized. I think I think it's well performed. I think it's well delivered. My issue is that it all kind of feels recycled. Even though we haven't seen this film before, we have seen this kind of film done before. And I think it still does enough with it that is 
unique and it still does enough with it which i think as as you know get into about sort of like as i say taking video games and modern gaming seriously in that respect but it it i felt a bit sort of like going through the motions through most of the of the story well i think the reason why i liked it a lot is would be going into spoiler territory because it, it tickles a particular issue or, or maybe it addresses a particular issue that I've had with some of the films that it is recycling. So yeah, I completely agree. This this you could quite easily say, oh, it's just this with this, with a sprinkling of this and a bit of this. Absolutely right. But um I think maybe I get excited by by certain sort of ideas <laughs> that that this film actually takes the time to explore um rather than sort of ignoring it yeah and I, and I, again like i think the sort of strength of it is in in the game that it, it it focuses on so this game called free city it's like a sort of open world sandboxy style multiplayer game where you go around and you as a player you do different missions or different side quests and you rack up points and presumably these points allow you to upgrade your weapons, buy new player skins, mm. uh, do all these kind of extra stuff. And it's it's funny because, yeah, it's it's a lot, obviously, I think style-wise, people do mention Fortnite and do mention Grand Theft Auto, specifically in terms of Grand Theft Auto I mean, online. looking at scenes when he's just walking through the street with his helicopters flying around, crashing into buildings and people speeding around cars, shooting at them, that gave me proper flashbacks to Grand Theft Auto 4. Um mm when yeah i was just seeing the distance somebody like driving flying a helicopter into a plane and you'd drive over there yourself and but what's funny is that uh i was just watching the highlights from gamescom and they just showed the first kind of trailer for the new saints row game uh which is like a kind of reboot of the franchise and saints row is like the kind of more comic turned up extreme version of grand theft auto in many respects but just watching free guy and then watching this new saints row trailer it was just like oh my god like free guy is identical <laughs> to that just the costumes that the characters the the um the players dress their characters in the whole kind of attitude just fast cars destruction crazy mm. sized guns like neon day glow excess sort of stuff it was it was hilarious just how spot on they yeah, I mean, I, I got to admit, after I got back home after watching the film, and I was like, I was thinking about the NPCs a lot more. <laughs> and I, was, I was playing like some video games. I was like, oh, I mean, I know this guy's got a grenade launcher and a chainsaw, but he's probably got a family too. <laughs> yeah, it, get, it gets into the whole, you'd never, you know, no one thinks about the family of, a, of an NPC uh, sort of territory. And, you know, we stuff like Reboot, yeah, um, but touching on the there. on the costumes and things, like I thought it was so much more fun to have the avatars played by actors rather than being entirely CGI. Like they were in Ready Player One. Now there's mm. like there's like a there is a story difference of for that difference for you know people turn into monsters and and forearm beings and. Also, I just they made that choice where they wanted Ryan Reynolds to be the star, 
but not a CGI Ryan Reynolds. And I think that's a good call because you get to have the real, you don't have the un- uncanny valley that I don't think mm. Ready Player One totally escapes from. But um, yeah, it just allows just a lot more fun with the costumes. And you can, you're complete, there's a, there's a fight scene where there's all these like security guards appear, but like they are, one's a boxer, one's a samurai sword person a samurai that's what they're called (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was just you know allowing just to go wild with that sort of thing i enjoyed yeah and i think you get actually sort of the best of both worlds because you do get yeah you don't have the sort of uncanny valley with the with the player characters but you do get snapshots of how the game Mm. looks outside of the game world and you do have I think the way it's depicted, I think just like the graphics and things are how it would look. It's not too super highly mega detailed. It's like a high end quality video game would look like nowadays. Very, very slightly cartoonish, but not in a kind of exaggerated way. Just, I think they kind of pitched the look of that, look at that right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mention what? Space Jam 2 for the second ta- episode in a row. Because <laughs> that film starts with a young LeBron James being given a Game Boy and he starts playing like a Looney Tunes game. Spoilers for Space Jam 2, by the way. But we cut to what the game looks like and it's just that little bit better. And I think it even turns colour eventually. And you're like, that's not that's not how it is mm. here. I completely agree. That's, it absolutely seems like you know, as good as a game that you could get off the shelves. It's got, I mean, I, I do like video games or today, which don't go down the photorealistic routes, you know, it's mm. just a little bit stylized. So yeah. So props. Yeah. And like the attention to detail extends to even just things like how the medipacks look and how, um, you know, the, the HUD looks, the heads up mm. display looks in game and, you know, even just like kind of fun little background guides, like having characters just jumping up and down in the background or or bumping into a wall and just kind of like hovering and glitching as a result. Just, yeah. You know, it's it's throwaway stuff, which is, but it's it works. It's 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 nice, nicely done. I mean, that's what good filmmaking is. It's keeping things truthful, and <laughs> even in this video game artificial world, it's just that sort of recognizable interactions. I mean, uh, uh, I just, I don't, <laughs> this isn't a spoiler in any serious degree. Well, shall we just go into? Yeah, we'll, we'll go into spoilers. What's broken the spoiler membrane is a scene when somebody's on fire. Ryan Reynolds puts out the fire with an extinguisher, and then that man is immediately shot by another player, who then sort of squats his ass over the um dead man that got a laugh (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's player nature that's player nature it'd be horrifying if this was real life and not a video game well i think one thing i definitely noticed on the second time watching this film was how apart from that one fella and also um a man who guy shoots of a shotgun at like the inciting incident incident really no one gets shot in this film part those from those two times i oh no maybe okay no there's a bit of gunplay earlier i don't know just considering how much of the start of this film is showing people firing off automatic weapons all over the place i think the the film quite skillfully manages to avoid like 
streets of bodies, <laughs> which would happen. It manages to keep things quite light at the start. Not give them right back. I said no! He's just resting. In pieces! That man is dead! He's so sleepy. I'm just gonna put your gun down. Right here. For when you wake. Okay. Dad! Dad! Where are you going? I would just say, though, that this was my first film I have seen in the cinema since Sonnet the Hedgehog. So this is the first time I've been to the cinema since February of 2020. Mm. You've been tempted so, a few times. There's been like that Barbie movie's just come out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Paw Patrol. But yeah, so what what kind of struck me was just, this is what happens when you don't go to the cinema for 18 months. But I kind of went in and I was just like, it's so loud. <laughs> there are so many noises. And they're just like, the fact that like, particularly the start of the film is just like relentless gunfire and explosions and cars flying in the air and crashing and giant explosions. I felt really like old man. You Were know, you like looking for that remote? <laughs> Where was the remote? It could, it, to be fair, it could have been the particular screening you went to because i've actually seen a few films where someone has obviously lent on that volume control a bit too hard i think it was also like a very empty screening too so maybe like there weren't enough bodies in the room to absorb the mm -hmm. the noise or something they're there you know they sort of comment a little bit on gun violence later on in the film and i was a little bit just like yeah that's fine but this film is like relentlessly guns shooting everywhere and you know we're not going to go down video games violence territory again you know let's part that tangent but i was just like yeah you say that and this is the kind of game it would be it's all guns 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 yeah. but there was a lot of guns for like a kind of family movie and i know there wasn't much like bloodshed as a result but i was just like yeah that's kind of funny that a man's just been like shot in the chest uh but is it though <laughs> yeah i i think it manages to skirt the line because i think it is aware of how desensitized we've come to video game violence and when people are shot in that gun there's a there's like a heist section where um jody coma is blasting away people and because it's clearly defined as they they've zapped in as security and when they get shot, I think they effectively zap out again. I think that's okay. But um, I think one thing the pandemic has changed, like if this, if this was released when it was intended, like July 2020, there's no pandemic. The The big sort of question um, which is asked is like, what would, would people want to play a game where there's no violence and you just walk around to do nice things all the time? I mean, the plot of this film is basically lifted in part from Tron because uh, Jodie Comer is one of 
two programmers another one is called keys who's played by joe keery um they were indie video game developers who sold their game to uh tsunami games which is run by antoine played by taiko waititi and then they were told the game was shelved and but the film is about or at least their story in the film keys and uh well she's called molotov girl in the game but her actual name is millie keys and millie they are trying to decide to, to find out if their actual code has been illegally used in the game which again is very is basically the plot of tron where they go and trying to find out if the code is being used illegally but their original code and their original game was about a nice game where there's no violence and no um everyone's just walking around being all nice and and if this film had come out before Animal Crossing New Horizons had come out, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, who would the hell would play that game? But now we, we now know that Animal Crossing was one of the hugest, most successful games of 2020. You could say that's because a lot of people were trapped indoors with nothing much to do. <laughs> but um... but I think it's I think actually like just like we said about how this film gets modern gaming right in the Fortnite uh gta online sense i think it also gets it right in terms of the indie developer kind of like oh we just want to make a game which is nice sort of thing like walking simulators or Mm. stories that unfold through interacting with just like conversations with you know animal friends or 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 whatever so i think actually that that sort of works in the film's favor too i mentioned stuff about this film, which I think really spoke to me and really improved upon its predecessors. And I think why I really connected with this film was because, yes, this is a retread of things like Wreck-It Ralph slash Ralph Breaks the Internet. Feels a bit Lego movie-ish. Uh, feels very Tron and Ready Player One. Um, what this is, though, secretly... I didn't really I didn't really want to mention this in the in the non-spoiler area. This is a science fiction movie, right? Things like uh Wreck It Ralph is is kind of like a fantasy. This is about artificial intelligence. And and just to sort of go go a bit granular, um like when we watch things like Tron, and we said this at the time, we meet programs, we get the barest glimpses of what their lives are like, but they are just kind of code, and when when they get deleted they like scream and then that's it that's the end and we laugh Uh, and we laugh when we have game films like like ready player one there's a big difference between the film and the get and the book um just spoilers a little bit for ready player one um in the film the the main character he he gets the first clue just because he's like smart and in the book, the first clue is hidden basically in the hub world, the first world of the games. Basically, the implication being our hero gets the first clue because he's like a he's a nobody and, and um the creator of the Ready Player One Oasis, he wants the winner of the game to be someone from humble beginnings. Anyway, finally with things like Wreck It Ralph. 
it's it does the whole Toy Story thing where it's like, oh, guess what? Video game characters have souls and thoughts and all that stuff. But it sort of implies that their Ralph's story is told really the world over. Or maybe there's loads of Ralphs out there who are just living the the you know Ralph's hellish existence. <laughs> but he but who gives a shit about them? It's just this Ralph we care about. What made this film speak to me? Um, was there is a legitimate reason why we're following this guy. He is, and they say this on screen, he is the world's first artificial intelligence. And for me, that changes everything. For me, that creates stakes. For me, it's, it's, you know, it's, there, there is something to lose if the world gets wiped away. And yeah, for me, as a sort of a Trekkie and things... W- w- I've been so tired of all these films where they sort of be, where it's best not think about the implications of of a, a sentient Wreck-It Ralph world, and and just dipping into Wreck-It Ralph two again is that both this film Free Guy and Wreck-It Ralph two feature the this video game character going viral through shared video, and one thing which really fucking annoyed me about Wreck-It Ralph 2 is like we talked about this as well it's like what are people seeing when this 8-bit character is doing a chili challenge I don't that doesn't make any sense but people are getting really excited by the game free city because they're seeing this person disguised disguised as an NPC to their minds playing against the game's type they're doing nice things not ultra violence and so it's a combination of the fact that it, it, it just it didn't it felt truthful for the story. It didn't feel like it was telling you, oh no, don't think about it. It was telling you, let's think about this. And yeah, so I just I just felt that it improved on a lot of the concepts of the films which came before. And when you add that to the great cast, acting, impressive visuals, you know, you know there's lots of there are scenes when buildings are coming apart, coming back together. It just felt like a playful inception. So what if, what if like, what if Christopher Nolan wanted us to have a good time, <laughs> you know, for a change, you know, and one of the, one, rather than having like a, a beautifully besuited Joseph Gordon Levitt, it was like a muscular pink bunny rabbit with a shotgun, you know, that's, that's just an image I loved. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so that is why I'm really sort of batting for this film. You know, it wasn't perfect in a few things, but I just felt it's quite profound. There's a crisis of faith scene. I mean, I think it's quite interesting how the trailer. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. I'll let you talk in a minute, Rory. Don't worry. <laughs> but there's um, the trailer very much makes you believe that what happens in the film is that Jodie Comer pretty much walks up to a random guy and put and gives him the magic glasses, which lets him see the world as it really is a bit like they live. Um, but that's actually the second, his second awakening. What happens is Jodie Comer's character triggers some sort of buried code in the program, which makes the code start to develop. And so when, um guy has this crisis of faith and he's he's told flat out no you were you were never real you're not real you're just a game he has this conversation with his best friend who's a security guard called buddy and despite buddy 
And despite him saying, well, what's the point if nothing's real? And, and Buddy, just a random, quite one-note background character who's decisively said, I don't want their magic glasses. I don't want to see things how they really are. He does say, well, our friendship's real. And that was like, oh, so sweet. <laughs> so anyway, I'll, I'll get off my little, um, I don't know, Ryan Reynolds love pillow for a moment and I'll, I'll pass <laughs> it over to you. for What are your thoughts on that? But I think just to sort of pick up on that, I think one of the key works that also one could refer to and that this film potentially recycles is The Matrix. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily, of course, the first thing to play with the concept of the world as you know it isn't real and all of this is just a simulation, etc. And obviously the difference with that is that they're all real people in this simulation, but, you know, the real world is not what how they how they see it whereas with this it's the case that the world isn't real and also you're not real and obviously the player characters they themselves aren't real but they have a real world person on the outside controlling them so it's kind of the question of like oh do these npcs have souls um (laughs) and uh, and i think it's you know so it, it does kind of play as you say sort of with the philosophical implications and it's also interesting as well how it's framed and how you know you you watch the matrix and how spoilers for the first matrix film there is this notion that love resurrects or you know someone becomes the one and the you know the thing they're meant to be through a kiss or through through love and we have also mentioned before the manic pixel dream girl Mm. concept uh, of which Molotov girl is, you know, skirts that territory. But what this film does is it has that concept, but then it actually has a reason behind it. It's not just, Oh, turns out it was love. Oh, turns out, Oh, it's just a girl who, Oh, we share all the same. Yeah. It wasn't the magic of love, which changes guy. Yeah, what what it turns out and the reason why there is that connection and the reason why there is that awakening is not just, hmm, she's a nice looking girl. Oh, she likes bubblegum ice cream just like me. Basically, the reason why Guy changes and the reason why he becomes not self-aware, but aware enough of the of the world until he's told exactly what the ramifications are is that keys one of the programmers of the original game and with the ai buried in it has created a sort of lovelorn character code and has programmed into that code millie his co-developer and his secret crush so that's the npc the the ai will respond to that in the same way he responds to her and just to clarify sorry the reminder this that was in the original code which then free city was built on so yeah so he, he just is this random character whose whose character type was a, a full you know a lovesick person who never would meet his dream girl yeah and it, it, it reminded me of the matrix where it's just you know oh everyone looks at the woman in the red dress sort of thing just like <laughs> you know it, it's it's the same sort of concept but the thing is that it again it's one of those things which plays with the dream girl concept but then creates some sort of 
you know, reason for it to be. It sort of subverts the formula yeah. by saying he is programmed, you know, not necessarily specifically, oh, you must like this girl. Like it's it's partially the artificial intelligence, but yeah. he is like set on a course where he will respond to her in a way. And it is just, yeah, it's the programming talking, but it unlocks the life itself game and, and spreads the magic of artificial intelligence uh, throughout, you know, a very restricted game of free city, which has specific rules. It has boundaries. You can't go here. You can't do that. You're, you'll follow this path. You repeat the same phrases every single day. There's method. There's reasoning yeah. behind these things, which other films might just like throw in and play around with and not actually feel like commenting on, you know, in any meaningful fashion. Yeah, I mean, we could spend forever talking about the various things it it, it talks about, but um, but yeah, we don't have time for that. But the fact that it does, it, it is a film which feels like it feels like a smart. <laughs> <laughs> so where as the film starts to develop, and you, you don't realize at first that there is this programming reason why he decides to be good, and especially the first, I mean, the film, I understood the film perfectly the first time, but watching it a second time, it was really enjoyable to see, ah, oh, this is when his his program and the world is starting to learn. You know, I mean, there's a line dropped where um, I think Keys, he's surprised that these um, characters even have, like, in their lives, like, he... You know, whereas like Wreck-It Ralph is like, oh, once they're outside of the game, they go back and live in a house and drink coffee and have parties for some stupid reason. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hate anim- I hate cartoons. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but you know, in this one, that's a that's a plot point. It's it's just touched upon. But Key is like, he shouldn't he shouldn't have an apartment. What's going on here? But um, he ends up sort of hanging out with Mother of Girl a bit more and she tells him he needs to level up to level 100 for him to basically be interesting to her. And again, she doesn't know at this point that he is an NPC. Everyone thinks again, clever bit of modern gaming lingo. Everyone thinks he's just a hacked, a player, a hacker who's hacked a skin. So he could look like a, just another player. And then, you know, and I think that's actually like one of the, funniest kind of running gags is it's very simple comic idea of someone misunderstands or doesn't get the concept and response to it but the fact that people keep talking about his skin and they keep telling him yeah and just i I think it's you know it's it's fine because it's funny and again not everyone watching this film will maybe understand the concept of video games having different characters and that being called a skin but you you know can pick up on it but again i think it it works in the gag itself, even if you're completely confused, you're you're sharing his confusion. And then I think the film does quickly say that when we go back into the real world, they're always just wearing an NPC skin. I just I just I just think it's just it walks that line really well. Hey, forty-year-old virgin, get over here! Let's go. Uh huh. Captain Khakis, come here. Go. Let's go. Come on, bud. Closer. There he is, blue shirt guy. Blue shirt. Yes. Hello, officer. Rabbit? Nice skin. Thank you. That's sweet. How'd you get it? 
Well, uh, mostly genetics, I think. I'm pretty lucky. I have, I have naturally dewy skin. Listen up, Neutrogena. You know you can't go around looking like that. The rules are clear. And another thing, you can't hack the NPC avatars. No, sir. It screws up the mission load, screws and it up. makes the game look bad. Horrible! Yeah. I got like 5% of that. Lose the skin! I Lose, how am I supposed to get rid of my skin? Take it off, man. Just take it off. What are you doing? What? Seriously. The whole thing, the face, the how? outfit, everything. Ditch it. If you don't, we're going to kill you. Why? And we're going to keep killing you. Still why? Until we do find out who you are, and then we're going to ban you for okay. life. No, no. Okay, I, I want to comply. I just find the order of those threats very confusing. Somebody's about to get shot. As the film goes on, I f and he, he decides to... He doesn't want to be violent and he decides that he's going to get experience points and level up by being a good guy. And there's that whole concept of how difficult it is to be a good guy in a horrible, violent world. You know, it's, that's really life affirming to me. It's just very nice. <laughs> and also like, uh, cause I think there was someone who was trying to play GTA without committing any crimes Mm. And that was like a pretty good um, set of uh, YouTube videos. And it also, but it's, it's, I can't remember what it was, but it's, it's almost like an art piece. Just this idea of like, you know, driving around on the speed limit, not running anyone over. AKA like, that's, that's how I played it the first time. I thought I was going to get, <laughs> I thought I was going to get in trouble for running a red light. So my first hour or two of Grand Theft Auto 4 was really slow. <laughs> but i think also just with that like the idea was trying to play the game without committing any crimes and then you reach a point naturally where you have to commit a crime in order to progress with the game that's like kind of like the philosophy <laughs> that's like i mean you know how are we going to get on the property ladder without robbing a few banks you know it's just that's how it is but i i think it like you know poses these sort of philosophical questions and having to rack up points by not playing the game the way everyone expects them to play. And you see the kind of branding of Free City um, is quite sort of like, oh, you know, it's it's like fun and stuff. But then crucially, there is also Free City 2 being developed at the same time. And the way that looks is far more like aggressive. The subtitle, more... it's actually called Free City 2 Carnage. Yeah. And it's it's very much like, you know, trying to sort of like amplify the already chaotic uh, free city. And it's more like um, slaughter race looking sort of style from Ralph breaks the internet. Um, it's nicely handled. I, th I think my issue with that concept and, and the sort of like the wider ramifications though, is while I do appreciate that this is a film which takes video games and the industry, etc., seriously to an extent I think it oversteps the significance of what's happening in the game in the wider mainstream culture. There's... I don't think <laughs> you would have it on Good Morning America or as a question or an answer on Jeopardy, the fact that running around there is this popular viral player, hacked player called Blue Shirt Guy playing this, even if it's a super popular title, you know, we're talking if it, even if it was Minecraft or Fortnite or any of these like huge franchises, you would not have reports on the news. Well, and you wouldn't have the world gathered around, yeah. like yeah. seeing it in restaurants and cafes. And, and that's that's the bit where it lost me slightly. That really, 
I think it really overstretches the importance. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think the only kind of character like breakout like online gaming referenced character who did something different in a video game that maybe has entered some mild corner of mainstream is maybe Leroy Jenkins in Warcraft. I think that's it. I think this is really <laughs> overstepping the mark in terms um, of the significance of I, it. I think I I agree and disagree. I think news might if it was like the most popular game in the world and something really big was rippling through it um that might sharpen like some shitty you know five minute filler but it might be um, and and finally section yeah but there's a bit that's right at the end of the film where uh, we'll we'll get to we haven't even talked about taika waititi in this yet but that in their sort of Truman Show, again, another film, this is like, yes. in the Truman Show style ending where um, Guy has broken the game in such a way that he can go on a bridge towards the, 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 the promised land, basically. I mean, side note, I love how his first line in this film is like, my name's Guy and I live in paradise. And then at the end of the film, he's in paradise. That's cool screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Like yeah, he's he's going towards his uh, Truman Show style ending, and it's like everyone's watching a live stream on TV. It's also like, um, what does this remind me of? Like the end of uh, Six Slumdog Millionaire. You know, everyone, everyone's watching it across the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't buy that. Yeah, and. I- you mentioned Truman Show. I think that's definitely a very obvious parallel in that it is focused on this good guy who is not aware of the ramifications of the world he's in. The fact that he's, you know, literally stands at the beach and, you know, can't get past the sea. And there's, you know, everything culminates in a way with the sort of boundary being broken. And even like Guy as a character, I know he's programmed to say it, but he says like, don't have a good day, have a great day. And that's yes. such a good afternoon, good evening and good night mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, you know, the alternative, obviously, to that is you would just have, as this film does, like, newscasters reporting on everything. And that's like a bugbear I have in films where it's just like, how is this doing? Uh, what's the plot? How is, what's what's going on? And it just cut to newscasters telling you exactly what's happening. Did you, enjoy, now- did you enjoy the newscaster at the start, though? Because in Guy's world, he's reporting on, like, how much violence has been this morning and keep off Hitman Beach and shit. Yeah, okay, but that's a joke. <laughs> that's not telling you <laughs> the story. As long as it's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the counterpoint to that is that, okay, so with this film, you do have news classes telling you what's happening, but instead we have streamers telling you what's happening instead. And You, you mean have... people I assumed were famous and actual streamers, like Dan TDM. Was he in Wreck-It Ralph 2? uh i can't remember the british streamers basically yeah suddenly you realize oh those are probably famous people i don't give a shit it it helps that most of them do have their names written next to them because they're all presented in their youtube or twitch channels but i will say i do know the names of jack septicai dan tdm and ninja so i think i'm doing pretty well but you're you're, you're you're a streamer now aren't you um you and, you and hamish 
I will say, Barely. I think I'm two years older than you, and I think that is the line where I'm like, I, <laughs> I don't understand. Why would I watch someone play a video game? Um, like, I mean, are we not I, doing twitch.tv slash games on film? We're not. I mean, I understand why people would want to hear my thoughts on video game movies, but <laughs> streaming, I don't buy. I mean, it's kind of, you, you know, you say it's it has their names there. I mean, they also announced what a lightsaber is like three times, along with the Star Wars music. When you see a lightsaber, yeah. I mean, let's let's get onto that in a moment. But I think <laughs> I think with the with with the streamers, it's one of those things where it's just like this is annoying. This is pretty cringe, but it makes sense that this would be the case. And yeah. it's actual streamers and like. I'm trying to give it the benefit of doubt and the fact that for 12 year olds, you know, Minecraft players and Fortnite streamers out there, this is probably the coolest thing ever yeah. to see laser beam and poker main on the mm. big stream in like a film stuffed with celebrity cameos. They're like on the same level as, as those. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said, if Limmy showed up or something as a Twitch streamer, <laughs> I would oh. just, freak out i mean missed yeah. opportunity but uh, yeah it's it's one of those things where it's just like yeah i'll just i'll just have to like you know no, grin and bear it no that's true i mean i was thinking in my head would i have preferred actors playing streamers but you know so many films you see so many films supposedly for kids but they're full of references to way old films. I'm looking at you, Space Jam 2, again. <laughs> um, so this, this was something for the young Stop fans. Stop looking at Space Jam 2, Harry. I can't drop my eyes away from it. <laughs> I did it's see now on digital home premiere. I saw a great... Sorry to talk about tweets, but somebody said, what if The Matrix 4 is like Neo's having to find the perfect basketball team in the Warner Brothers servers? <laughs> 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 oh, genius. Um, but... What should we talk about? Should we talk about the big bad of the piece? Because we've we've barely touched on him. Yeah. So so talking about great casts, you can't get hotter than Taika Waititi, who's like a director, comedian. Everyone loves him. Um, Green Lantern co-star. <laughs> co-star. My God, yes, a reunion. Oh wow, that makes me so happy. <laughs> But moving on, uh, <laughs> um, so I've I've had a bit of a milkshake duck experience of Taika Waititi recently, because I freaking loved Hunt for the Wilder People, and I worshipped Thor Ragnarok, and of course what we do in the shadows. I liked Jojo Rabbit. I think you didn't, but I really did. Mm. I have problems with that film. Yeah, you just hate to see the Nazis lose, don't you? just give him a break <laughs> context context we're always not suggesting that um anyway so the thing is though like so i love him I, w coupled with the fact that a bit like ryan reynolds you wonder if his sort of shtick will get quite irritating if you spend too much time with him like always on and always making a joke and like did he does he really mean it? I'm, i feel quite stupid now is he being real um but like on twitter he started being really, like, really racist <laughs> With, well with, with, okay here's the thing england got to the end of the euros to the final and they didn't win and i'm not a football fan and so i was sort of 
I don't think I was. I don't know. I was very much. It's a get. Uh, it's just a game on Twitter, and I was also sharing all the awful, awful football fan footage of like sticking a uh, flare up your bum and lighting it, and you know, just general, you know, the just general hooliganism. And so having a go at hooligans is fine, but I went for some reason. Taiko Titi was popping on my feed, and he was just having a go of like the entire country. The great country, mate, and being really, really horrible to all English people. <laughs> now the <laughs> thing is, so I know it's a very particular soapbox. The thing is, like he obviously is, you know, Maori, and like everyone, like we mentioned about the British Museum, like Britain, England, it's horrible to the world. I think there's this weird statistic where, like, I don't know how most weeks of a year, someone's celebrating their liberation from Great Britain week. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fine. I just, something rubbed me up the wrong way as as being sort of shoveled in with the rest of the football hooligans. You know what I mean? I was just like, well, we're not all sticking flares up our bum and lighting them. Not all Englishmen. Not all Englishmen. So anyway, Anyway, I <laughs> you you're so you so, don't care for Taika Waititi because I'm ca- you feel no, personally slighted. I'm cancelling. His... I Harry Steele have cancelled Taika Waititi <laughs> at least until I came into the cinema and I watched this film because I you tell you what he's brilliant in this film. I really liked him in this film. He's but because he was so fantastically annoying and it was so good to see him not even be a little bit nice. He was really effing horrible and in this in this. You know, we're seeing, I mentioned Blizzard a short while ago, you know, shit has been going wrong in video game developers for a long time now. And so wrapped up in him is all like the nasty stories and all this and and just like he's like Mark Zuckerberg. He's just sorry, Mark, (laughs) you know, you don't make me do games, but you know what I mean? He's just um, pretty nasty work and he was just this fizzing with energy but in a really irritating way and he does the one joke i thought was a real clunker he makes a joke about how something was giving him ass cancer and ball cancer and it's inoperable and in both times i saw it nobody laughed and i and i do wonder if that was intentional that was him trying to be funny but in a really just like crossing the line sort of way but sort of intentionally so as in that's something that the character of antoine would say because he is a kind of a horrible person if he started having a go at the english that's a different story but, but <laughs> people with cancer you can you know he's, he's yeah well that's the thing it's not good to to joke about that so uh yeah what were your thoughts on Tycho in this yeah i i i agree and I, I think um you know for obvious reasons he doesn't share screen time with with ryan reynolds oh, I forgot. Um, yeah we've got a fifth element scenario that's good what does that mean Fifth Element, the main villain and the main hero never meet. Ah, they cross each okay. other. They pay one. There's a bit when one goes into an elevator and then Bruce Willis comes out the other one. And yeah, so they never meet. I love that sort of shit. I, I think he kind of, yeah, as you say, it sort of nails the sort of entitled, angry boss man style. Um, villain performance and yeah it's it's nice that there's not like a shred of decency or humility about him like the only kind of like saving grace is how you know the 
film gets resolved in a way where he's literally taking an axe to the server farm and destroying Free City because the impending release of Free City 2 is going to wipe Free City and with mm. it all the characters and guy uh, inside it at the same time. And it's a special kind of dangerous person where he's 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 clearly smart. He's not the one who created the original code for Free City. He, But he's he's kind of... He can outplay people, and you get the sense that he got here because he's he's a user and he can get what he wants. I mean, that's unfortunately a lot of people who own companies seem to be just a sociopath. <laughs> mm. Jodie Comer's character, Millie, sort of plays him a little bit in the sense that, you know, he can have pre-city, he can have the IP and everything if he just doesn't destroy that server uh, the last remaining server, which has life itself, the the game that they developed, that he's uh, kind of using the AI from, and he's basically kind of like so smart and just like, well, who wants to bother playing that, you know, Animal Crossing style game as we mentioned um, anyway? And so again, like it's sort of it's not a shred of decency. It's just like he thinks he's, mm. you know, he thinks he knows it all. Yeah, he thinks he knows it all. He's hot shit, and you know. And you know what would usually happen in a Whatever. film? What would happen in a film like this usually is that Jodie Comer would turn her back and then he'll reveal, like, he would lift his axe and says, I lied, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> and it was just refreshing that it ends on... I don't think we see the handshake, but it ends on sort of a handshake. That, that part. I'm not sure he would just, like, commit murder and, like... I know, but... It'd be just, very obvious what happened. You're so flipping used to that sort of ending, isn't it? I don't know. Free City 2 was backwards compatible. It was in the commercial. You said there'd be the same characters in the sequel. Well, here's the thing. When I said that, I was lying. Listen, Antoine, the game is already buggier than ever. I got a stack of user complaints like a mile high. Look, I know it sucks, but the IP recognition is rock hard. Okay, so don't even worry about it. I'm just saying we could make an original game. What? Make an original? Why would I do that when I can make a sequel? Sequel. So we could make it better? IPs and sequels. That is the thing that people want. Let me ask you a question. Okay. You love Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Mm -hmm. No. If you love Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I made Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I know that you love Kentucky Fried Chicken, why would I make another restaurant called, uh, I don't know, Albuquerque Boiled Turkey? Okay? Mm -hmm. Makes mm -hmm. no sense, homie. No sense. What am I going to give you? A sequel. Kentucky Fried Chicken Chicken. Part two. Uh, yum. Drop the deuce on but uh, I, again, going back to sort of how this film feels very real in terms of video game culture, you see the little pockets of of developers and things on on the on the on the workshop floor. I suppose I enjoyed the like the people working on Free City Two and complaining about bugs and and how they have they're, they're trying to create a new version of guy called Dude and. You know, it's that thing where the, the boss is like, I want it now. And she's like, it's not ready. I don't care. I want it now. And, you know, those those guys, I'm sure, are working 24-7 on like infinite crunch. And yeah, it just felt it just felt like something we've seen on news quite a lot. And it was quite nice to finally see it put in the movie because, I'm, you know, the knock on effect might be game developers are treated better. He says optimistically, yeah. but if they if they postpone uh, Metroid Dread, I'm gonna flip. 
<laughs> but I, I, I did sort of wonder when you have these like struggling uh, sort of artists trying to do what their tyrannical boss tells them. I did sort of like think about the VFX artists having to work on. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, you mentioned the dude. Mm. And I think this would be a good point to talk about the dude and the sort of fight that ensues between the dude and guy. Mm-hmm. Or dude, I guess, not the dude, that's the big Lebowski. Um although it is disappointing that speaking of using the definitive article and guy, it is a shame that we don't see the guy from Spy Kids 3D game over. <laughs> it's the guy. That would have been a perfectly appropriate insertion <laughs> of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's with this kind of like muscle bound version of Brian Reynolds. Yeah, he was created. The, the, so there's a nice little transition where Antoine uh, Taika Waititi, he's like pe- people love the guy, and also the, Antoine comes in like real late. He gets built up. He's we hear from a few people what an asshole he is before we even meet him, which I think is is good way to build up your villain. And then when he shows up, you're expecting him to be really pissed because Guy has effectively broken the game. But he's like, no, everyone loves loves Guy. Give me a roided up cool version for for a free city too. But what do we get? With a with a blue shirt tattoo because everyone calls him blue shirt guy. Mm-hmm. We ha- so because he hasn't been fully coded, he is missing key dialogue. Um, so he just shouts catchphrase. Yeah, I like one of his... Well, at the end of the film, he's carrying... I mean, they they have a fight, they make up. So at the end of the film, him and Guy and Dude are friends, and Dude says to Guy, are you okay, little Guy Guy? You seem adjective. (laughs) Yeah, but this is also the film at its most reference-laden. And you mentioned the lightsaber. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Star Wars music and the fact everyone says it's a lightsaber. It's really He's got odd. a lightsaber. I know, I, I know it's a lightsaber. It's a lightsaber. Is yeah, that a lightsaber? Like, it's only like the most popular film franchise of all time and the most iconic hmm. object in any of them. But, you know, yeah. sure. <laughs> yep. Um... Um, but we also, you know, games wise, he gets like a portal gun. Which um, didn't look like a portal gun, but whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't think he gets like a gravity gun as well. And I I don't know if that's like a specific gravity gun. He gets like a kind of Mega Man looking blaster. And I think it's called a Mega Blaster. Yeah. I, lo- I don't know lo- whether it's Mega Man enough for them to have to pay Capcom. Anything. No, I think this was a legit. I'm just trying to find it. But um, I think, oh, um, several video game tools like the Mega Blaster from Mega Man, and I think it said that on screen, but it, it does go very quickly. Yeah, and I guess more like kind of pertinent as well is he gets a Fortnite pickaxe. I think it's got like a little llama. Yeah, I didn't recognize that, but I in my second viewing with all the kids, like I think kids clocked to that. I heard kids enjoy that. Yeah, and I, in in fact, dude has made an appearance now as a skin in Fortnite, oh, so wow. you can play as dude in Fortnite. So there we go. The snake eating its tail. Um but you know with that we get yeah the lightsaber and then we get Disney wider Marvel acknowledgments and lo and behold 
we get Ryan Reynolds sporting a Hulk fist and crucially sporting Captain America's shield with the Avengers theme playing and a cameo from Chris Evans saying like, watching what the, it what the shit yeah in action and I enjoyed that I mean I did it because I was I was not expecting that sort of cross IP stuff is is it too is it ironically enough with a lightsaber which is not a double edged sword it's the edges all around um, <laughs> it's a multiple edged sword a, you know infinitely edged sword I'm not gonna lie they 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 kept that stuff really close to the chest so I never imagined would see a lightsaber and the Captain America's shield and then Avengers music and Chris Evans there. So I won't lie. I was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. And, <laughs> and um, the kids behind me, they loved seeing um, Chris Evans saying shit. Um, <laughs> apparently he, like, he filmed that in 10 minutes. Apparently he was like filming in Boston nearby and he, he graciously came in for like super duper 10, literally 10 minutes to film <laughs> that shot. Um, but but you know, it does it does feel shoehorned in, and it's like really. I mean, I've re- I've read in the trivia that things like tanks from Halo and other recognize very recognizable icons have appeared. But I think that was like putting a hat on a hat, and it was like this is the lightsaber, lightsaber music. This is this, this is that. You know, it just it's like getting all the references in one place. Yeah, it's pretty condensed. Like when it happens. But yeah, it is like, we get it. You don't have to like add anything more to it. I mean, throw in Chris Evans short because it's Chris Evans. Everyone likes him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you don't need the all the music and everything to go with it. It's a I bit too been... hero moment, too many. Yeah, I think it, I think it would have worked without the music. Maybe the, I, I really enjoyed the Avengers music, but you, you don't need Star Wars music and a lightsaber and never saying, hey, that's a lightsaber. I don't know, but I think that that's just nitpicky. As I say, it did not really detract from the rest of the stuff. I mean, I will say, I saw the first time I watched this. I watched this on the same day as Snake Eyes, and Snake Eyes, sorry, Snake Eyes GI Joe Origins. And I do my best to avoid films with the phrase "origins" in the title because they're never good. And the fights in that or at least the, the, the cinematography of the fights in that were worse than what we got in Free Guy. You know, it's like mm. there's some moments when when Guy is trying to level up and he does sort of proper martial arts. And you remember, oh, yeah, like he does he does do Deadpool, who does martial arts, uh, and it is him in the outfit a lot of the time. So that fight was good. I thought the fight here was quite fun but it's, it's not a very fighty film but i thought i'd just point out how um basically snake eyes had one job <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this is this is like a comedy adventure sci-fi action film and yet the action is better than a lot of action films the sci-fi is more profound than a lot of sci-fi films so it's funnier than a lot of comedies so you know it does a multi-genre thing in pretty decent fashion. There he is, the little do-gooder. Activate. Dude. We're still working on him. I worked on him myself. He's perfect. Drop in, dude, now. Who are you? Catchphrase. Catchphrase? Well, I don't think one up yet. 
Although catchphrase as a catchphrase is a pretty cool catchphrase. Who is this? I don't know. I mean, he's just like you, but way better. Move with the move with the move. I think he's gonna hit you. He punches so hard, but yet his hands are so soft. I think we should just like maybe just go through the cameos. Yeah, that's all that's left, really, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, because it's it's one of those films where you know, just with the references as well, the bankability of Ryan Reynolds and stuff like that, and you know, him making small appearances and other stuff, like when he pops up and hops and Shaw for like a couple of scenes. Um, it's one of those things where there's clearly like this group of actorly chums who will do like fake online feuds with each other or, you know, drop into each other's like movies or reference each other. So you do get like voice cameos from Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. uh, John Krasinski, Dwayne Johnson, Tina who, who Fey. Did, who did Dwayne Johnson do? He plays, I think it's the bank robber who does get shotgunned. Oh, Like right. with the blue sky... Like hat, yeah. bowler hat, and stuff. He's actually on the poster that one. But actually, you know, having only seen this film once, I did not realize that was Channing Tatum until he took off his sunglasses. Ah, so at the start, so the film opens with a sky view of Free City, which looks, you know, like every video game city you've ever seen, uh, which is based on New York. <laughs> It doesn't look like, I don't know, Sky Cloud City from Star Wars. Anyway, but we start from the sky and when Wing sitting down is a dude who then lands in a car and drives away. And I thought that looks a lot like Channing Tatum. And it is. I love a bit of Channing Tatum. And he, he shows up as cameos quite a lot, actually. I can't remember the last time he's been starring in a main film himself, but he's just He's just really good when he's funny, you know. It's a bit longer than a cameo. Is it a cameo? I don't know what we'd call it. He's significant. I think. I think he's more significant than a walk-on part. Yeah. No, I, I think so. But he really kind of only pops up in sort of two sequences. And you know, actually, I think it's it's a little bit of a joke. The fact that I didn't recognize him was because I thought he just looks like a default player mm-hmm. character, <laughs> and like. I don't know whether that was intentional. It's just like, let's get the most default looking dude. <laughs> um, but the reason you have Channing Tatum is because, yes, he's funny. And yes, he can do dance moves, um, given his background. And so he does various different like Fortnite-esque dance emotes, including the Thanos snap, which I guess was the first sign that we're going into um, reference mode. Um and uh, yeah, his character is called Revengerman Buttons, which is an amazing name. I think that like the only sort of like tone deaf note is that the player controlling him is like super mega nerd who lives with his mom, has Rick and Morty posters, has a special sock. Well, yeah. okay. So what's quite good about the scene is that this. Revengerman Buttons he is a sort of Twitch streamer and so in a very schizophrenic way Channing Tatum will be talking will be gushing at Guy and then suddenly start screaming at his mum in the real world and I enjoyed that 
And there is a bit where it's, it's like slightly gay panicky where he starts hugging Guy. But that's sort of like the jerky thing. I th- I think it's it's just he's the sort of thing people do. Like not me bad people do. But then he starts screaming to his mum about touching effectively his wank sock. His special sock. And again, I think about kids saying, why does he care so much about a sock? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't have kids to describe that sort of thing. Although when I did see it, there was a trailer for Jackass Forever beforehand. Yeah, same I was a little here. Bit, I was a little bit like, that's skirting the line. <laughs> well, again, all these kids are watching. I think they, there's, a, there's a bit when someone's fired out of a giant cannon with wings and the kids were like, what is this amazing thing? I must see it. It, sound, <laughs> it looks hilarious. Um, So, like... I, I enjoy Channing Tatum in this. I always like a bit of Channing Tatum. It serves the plot. I'm happy with that. But um, is there anything else you want to touch upon? I mean, as I said earlier, there's this is a film of ideas. Even though we just talked about wank socks. <laughs> <laughs> it's got two things. It's got, um, yeah, dirty humour and ideas. I guess it's my two favourite things. I think you summed up the end quite nicely. I do. I'm a slightly, I'm such a confused young man now. I don't know if it's creepy or not to lust after your co-worker and then decide the best way to go about it is to secretly implant an algorithm into a game. And this algorithm sort of fancies you. But I'm unlikely to come across this scenario in real life. So maybe... I can just forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose as well, like, you know, the fact that, like, she, that Millie kind of kisses, he, Guy kisses Millie in-game, and her reaction to it is almost like she did actually kiss him for real in the game, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I think sometimes it gets it right in terms of, like, the, the divide between the player and their character in the game. But then there are other times like the way they react is is almost like it's a virtual reality thing. And it's not at all like the way they respond is is sometimes like just a bit more than I think the game actually is. I I think this boils back to the fact that he's an artificial life form. I mean, this is basically the Turing test. And uh, but like one you you can bone. Ah, uh, my greatest achievement. Yes. <laughs> I need a second opinion. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I guess like, like her, her shock is as much about the fact that like we, you know, characters don't do that in this game. This is not something that is possible in this game, mm. and yet this is what is happening. So, and I just think her, I from just... an intellectual standpoint, that is like her reaction. But this again goes. But back... she is also like freaked out and finds it a little bit uh, crazy. Well, this is why I think why Jodie Comer is, is so fantastic. I mean, for those who don't know, she's best known for saying Ray isn't on Jakku in The Rise of Skywalker. It's like a five second shot of playing <laughs> playing um, Ray's mum. But actually, uh, she's won her awards for Killing Eve. And I can't remember if you've watched Killing Eve. Uh, the first series. Yeah, the first series is like this perfect diamond. And then the second series is sort of more of the same. 
but as you can tell, that's not... two perfect diamonds. <laughs> I've got two perfect diamonds here. What's this? A third? Oh, this is not a diamond. This is a cubic zirconia. Cubic zirconia. <laughs> no. So, I mean, I think um, it, went, I've, it went off the ball a bit for me. Uh, but she is great and she plays lots of, you know, her character in Killing Eve, uh, she has to adopt various um, accents and looks. And so that really works well in a film where she has to have different voices and accents and looks but yeah as i said right at the start of this review i think she sells it so even when i mean there's the whole of course hollywood thing where she is literally 20 years younger than ryan reynolds but there is a joke where um key says to her have you considered like he's four as in the artificial intelligence is four years old and you can tell that she's like both amused and a bit sickened but you know <laughs> she's like oh yeah so you went there did you that's that's what we're doing here and you know it's just they feel like these are your stock in a film like this in a movie like this you've got the star you've got the johnny depp playing captain sparrow and then you've got the other two sort of non-entity characters who are there to like advance the plot but are, are kind of boring but what i really Doug was how the uh, the human heroes, um, Millie slash Molotov Girl and Keys, they they've got, I think, a nice relationship, and they've got their they've got their agenda, and they've got their stakes, and you've also got guy who has his stakes. And I just I think I've just seen so many things where you wonder why people are doing things half the time and you don't particularly care. Stakes for everyone. Stakes. And it just goes back to how I cared when this miracle, this artificial life. I mean, you know, I do like these human characters, but they are slightly blasé about how they designed a game to have artificial intelligence. And then it sort of happened. I'm like, well, why did you do this for like a, a fucking video game? <laughs> you know, to the sequel, there is a sequel apparently in the development, it's Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is the Terminator. But anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's just it's shooting on all all cylinders across the board, so I totally dig it. So I guess it's um yeah, I, I'd sort of uh give Free Guy a thumbs up. My misgivings are sort of just minor ones, really. I think it gets so much right that it feels a bit churlish to get too sort of nitpicky about things i think the the thing is is that it's it feels as i said a bit recycled it feels very stock summer blockbuster in terms of the tone and the jokes and how things are generally fairly broadly played i think the fact that it does do a little bit more homework and i think it does put in a little bit more effort than your common garden stock blockbuster where it's just well we'll just throw a bunch of money throw a bunch of star power and throw a bunch of cars smashing into each other and that'll be enough um to uh warrant um a a fairly high recommendation i think i mean obviously we're talking about the kind of films that we talk about generally on on the podcast are, are very much with caveats um in terms of a recommendation 
Um, I think this is a film which can be enjoyed by video game enthusiast and non-video game enthusiast alike. And I think, it, as I said, it does it it does it better than your Jumanji reboots and your Ready Player One and Ralph Breaks the Internet, particularly. Yeah, it's, um, it's so funny because I mean, you, when you mentioned Jumanji earlier, I totally forgot they're even video game movies because that's how they get there. But then it sort of becomes just your average action adventure movies. And I mean, you know, I enjoy the first one. I thought, I think the second one I didn't like so much, but this is about games, you know, and it's, it's proudly about games. So I think that is, I don't know, but just we'll see where things go, but this feels like a breath of fresh air to me. It's nice to recommend a film without any caveats for a change. <laughs> uh, so hopefully that will be uh, for our next film. Don't know quite that what that film is quite yet, but uh, we'll see you next time. In the meantime, how can people get in touch with games on film? You can find more information about the podcast and video game movies on our website, gamesonfilm.witchsite.com slash podcast. There you can also find links to ways you can support the show. And you can also find us on the various social media channels. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. And you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, indeed, wherever you get your podcasts. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. And you can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And um, well done, Rory, for braving uh, the, the buses, I suppose, to go and see Free Guy. I'm glad it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, this was the first I'd seen since Sonic the Hedgehog, so I'm doing it for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So until next time, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.